Welcome, witches and ghouls. We are pleased to say that we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful podcast network and family. Morbidly Beautiful is your macabre home away from home with horror news, reviews, editorials, and more. Morbidly Beautiful supports everyone in the horror community from special effects artists, indie filmmakers, writers, women, LGBTQ folks, and so much more. We are so very happy to be part of this spooky team. Please go to morbidlybeautiful.com to find out more. And now, on with the show. To I Spit on Your Podcast, a monthly horror podcast brought to you by the Spinsters of Horror. This is a time once a month where I put down my bloody knitting needles and Kelly steps away from the TV to discuss horror movies, sometimes other horror mediums with thoughtful analysis, research, and passion. On this episode, we are hailing Satan and discussing his infernal majesty in cults and film, specifically the blood on Satan's claw and the house of the devil. We will also examine what Satanism really is and how traditional Satanism in the form of the Church of Satan is different from more modern Satanism in the form of the Satanic Temple. So pick your poison and listen on. If you dare. Archangel, dark angel, let me thy light through death's veil till we have heaven in sight. Archangel, dark angel, lend me thy light through death's veil till we have heaven in sight. So, Jess, why did we choose these two films? We chose these films because, A, both enjoy The House of the Devil. At least I know I really enjoy The House of the Devil, and I think it's a really interesting depiction of satanic panic in the 1980s, even though it's not very overtly talked about, and we'll talk more about that in detail later on the podcast, but also not really interesting when we were looking at this idea of Satanism and satanic cults in the horror genre and how they're portrayed, especially because we had just recently also watched Hail Satan, the documentary together, we wanted to explore this theme further. And so we also kind of wanted to look at like how it's seen in a modern movie, like um, The House of the Devil, and then the 1971 film, The Blood on Satan's Claw. And we I didn't know anything about this film, so I thought it was really great for us to jump in and see how Satanism or satanic cults are being represented. What I'll add to that is that it was also really challenging to find a satanic cult-type film that didn't involve possession, because we really wanted to not talk about possession, because we've talked about that before, mm-hmm. and also in some way, shape, and form to try not to talk about witchcraft, yes, because yes. <laughs> we've definitely talked about that before. God, yes, we'd love to talk about those two topics again, but when you're, you know, trying to, like, single out, uh, you know, specific research and information and topics, like, we really wanted to try to stick to the overall theme of just cults. No witchcraft, no necessarily no possession and so that was actually kind of tricky to 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 find especially in the older films so we decided on the blood on satan's claw and i think we ended up with a really great choice i agree with you so i think one i want to start this off we'll kind of give like a brief history about satan himself and satanic cults and satanic panic so as we all know Satan is known as history's oldest antagonist. He is always depicted as being part of this ultimate battle between good and evil. He is the entity always trying to destroy God and and we're always in a fight for our internal souls because he's just out there to, you know, destroy our lives, right? 
And so Satan, or the devil as we know it, is actually more prominent in very Abrahamic religions, so Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. He's not really an evil entity in all in other forms and other religions. He's more of just an ideology of what evil represents. But we have, but in Christianity, we have given him form. We have shown that we have said, and we also say like Satan is a man. In Christianity, the belief is that Satan or Lucifer was once a, was once an angel and was once the most beautiful and pious angels in heaven. But because he was he ended up resulting in jealousy of God's love for humanity, he was he rebelled against God and was sent down to earth to reign over all fallen angels and demons in the hell world, as we know it today. So often when we are seeing images of Satan and we're talking about Satan, we're seeing him in movies or him her it in movies as this fallen angel this accuser you know this tempter we all remember the wonderful scene of Viggo Mortensen at the end of the prophecy movie when he shows up as the devil and you're you know we're like whoa he is the ultimate evil and he is always fighting against God and he's always the cause of all evil in the world and that is who Satan is and what and tend to see what these films seem to portray as what we know him as Ooh. dark and grim dark Satan. and grim yeah <laughs> <laughs> so getting into you know satanic panic our previous episode we delved a little bit more thoroughly into it we don't want to rehash everything but generally speaking a lot of satanic panic was related to you know satanism real real satanist the portrayal of satan in popular media and you know that was all corrupting our youth and damaging our society and rotting everything to the core. Mm -hmm. And so obviously like in popular culture and media in the U.S. particularly, it took a very dark turn during the satanic panic, particularly satanic cult ritual abuse and this whole aspect about like repressed memories and like, you know, women would come forward as these these self-proclaimed breeders, you know, saying that they were forced to give birth to provide sacrificial victims. One of the biggest things was, and, you know, we got to think about the children. Yes. (laughs) That a part of the satanic panic, like a lot of lives were ruined due to absolutely false accusations. And a lot of this, and like, this is, you know, this, I think this was taken seriously, Mm -hmm. but then it was like completely blown out of proportion due to hysteria, pack mentality, news reporters and media. Fuck off. Like, yeah, they just make it worse. And like when everybody's already amped up and the satanic panic started sort of brewing in the sixties, coming in through the seventies and getting the eighties. And it was an absolute explosion. And yes, when you bring children into the mix, everybody gets really mad and very upset for very, very understanding, reasonable, well, reasons. And the most notorious was the McMartin preschool trial, which apparently became the longest and costliest criminal trial in American history. And that happened in 1984. Accusations from a mother of a child who was in childcare at this uh, preschool, who unfortunately later on her mental instability became an issue. But apparently the operators of this daycare uh, were charged with raping and sodomizing lots and lots of children and abusing them, molesting them. And the trial, sorry, dragged on for years. And in the end, lives are undone. They can't get jobs anymore. But like there was 
no evidence of any of this. And they showed, you know, like children can lie. And it was cray cray. Yeah. And one of the reasons why people look back at the satanic panic of the 1980s, early 90s is you see one of the reasons why people got so involved in this, um, they also call it like a moral panic as well. It's Mm -hmm. because you had Mm -hmm. the rise. Like, so there's like a bunch of things brewing in the United States. And interesting enough, once again, all this came out in the 1980s, originated in the United States. It did tend to go international in the 90s and then kind of got shut down. As people learn more about PTSD, repressed memories, you know, learning more about how a lot of, because a lot of evidence, like Kelly was saying, a lot of things came out of these cases being false and being manipulated by other people, such as the Christian right and the moral majority. Once again, mm-hmm. here's a time in the United States where the Christian right is having more power. And so they're looking at things that the other and they're looking at people who are like, OK, well, we are afraid of this and we're afraid of this like new liberal ideologies that are coming out. And we need to point something. We have to point in a direction at something and say, this is scary. This is all the work of Satan because we are Christians. And our belief is that Satan is this evil entity that lurks in the shadows and makes mm-hmm. us do horrible things to people. There was also the rise of the anti-cult movement. So we had uh, cults happening at the, around the time. And so people were really concerned that part of these, you know, ritual abuses were all in this like cult mentality that they were like abducting children and using them for human sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, people were concerned about the appearance of the Church, church of Satan. We'll talk about this uh, later on, but the Church of Satan was actually quite involved in t- in dismount- dismembering or dismantling a lot of the inaccuracies. <laughs> dismembering. Dismembering. Hey, Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> they were actually dismembering children. No. <laughs> That's what the Christians are saying, Jess. That's what they are saying. Like, they were actually, you know, dismantling all these false accusations and trying to educate people about what the actual the Church of Satan actually yeah. represented. But what really was coming out about this uh, moral panic was that it was super controversial and it was controversial because it developed a new thing such as social workers, uh, child protection. It was becoming a time where we were beginning to really see child sexual abuse as being recognized as both a serious problem and a crime. We started seeing the momentum, the rise of the survivor movement. So trying to understand more what the effects of PTSD and repressed memory. But yeah, some of the tactics too, as Kelly was saying that it became super serious to understand how it is to talk to a child who's trying to talk about something that may have happened to them and how a lot of the times, if an adult is not super careful in their questioning, they can actually lead the child to the direction of where they want them to say. So if you have someone who Mm -hmm. has like just some kind of irrational fear against another individual Mm -hmm. or has a certain belief in their mind, it's really like, and I'm as a child of my own history of being sexually abused, I found this a little bit problematic in the sense of like, I understand like some of these cases may have been real, but some of them were, yeah, super outrageous because it was like, well, of course, if you direct a child in that direction, they're going to tell you the story you want to hear. Because mm-hmm. in their mind, they're, they're, children. Like, they're children. They don't mm-hmm. know any better. They don't want you to be down on them. They don't want to displease people. You know, you want people to be proud of them and, you know, tell the truth, you know. And yeah, no, that's hugely problematic. Yeah. And another big thing, too, that really promoted this whole idea of satanic ritual abuse and this moral panic cross was, is for some reason, there's this, in this hysteria, people seem to believe that there was this giant conspiracy that Satanists had an infiltration 
infiltrated all levels of society. Mm-hmm. That worldwide, there was a satanic organization that was had the most wealthy and most powerful people in the world, you know, manipulating mm-hmm. people and abducting children for human sacrifices. So this is where mm-hmm. we really see this imagery. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly mentioned a really important trial, the Martin, the McMartin preschool trial. And then just the other case of satanic panic was the 1980 book, Michelle Remembers. Oh, yeah. So Michelle Remembers was a apparently a supposedly true account of a young girl's torture at the hands of a secret coven of Satanists, actually in BC. So this is a Canadian case. So her quote unquote recovered memories, covered memories are a thing. Repressed memories are a thing. But in this case, it was a hoax and it was not real. Uh, Apparently this woman later married her therapist, which I think is a big no, no. Yes. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, uh, you know, satanic panic, right? The power of suggestion. We're already amped up. And then we start hearing more of these things happening. So it must be true. This must be happening. Right. And yeah, that the existence of this over overarching, massive underground secret satanic cult was the biggest component of of all of this. And, you know, you mentioned the Church of Satan, which was founded in 1966. There is also the Temple of Set, who we'll not talk about, but they were founded in 1975. So here are real world, real life Satanists that do a whole bunch of very aesthetic kind of spooky, weird rituals. So we've actually given them something to truly scapegoat, even though, you know, those Satanists will come out and be like, no, this is not what we do. No, we don't dismember children. We're not, <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing these things. This is actually what they're about. But we, they gave them like an identity. They gave them actual being, mm-hmm. like human beings and an aesthetic and like a culture of people and be like, oh no, this is what it is. Look, this is exactly like, this is real. See, this is what's happening. It's like, this is not what it's about. But try to change their mind when they're already amped up and and in this moral panic. Exactly. And you can't help but think how much cinema had a, a part to play in all that, right? So you get, like, our earliest depiction of Satan is actually in the ni- 1922 Swedish-Danish film Hexen. All horror fans know about this film, especially people who are huge yeah. fans of witchcraft and stuff like that. It's one I of love the first, it. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the so first, beautiful. It's a beautiful film. But it is yeah. also the first film to actually depict Satanism actually Mm -hmm. depict Satan in film. And this is where we often see the relationship between Satan and witches, you know, because Mm -hmm. you have witches kissing the butt of Satan and stuff like that. And he's like luring women (laughs) into his dark ways. (laughs) So you have this really early image on and and even like in the 1922s and like later on, like Satan was always just hiding in the shadows. He was always in the back, in the mist and stuff like that. He was always some kind of evil influence. But then later on, we get into the 60s and 70s. A representation of Satan in film is no longer just about history and about the history of how, like, you know, Middle Ages, people in the Middle Ages, like, running around be like, oh my God, Satan's coming, Satan's coming, or she's a witch. Mm-hmm. It's now being like, <laughs> you know, we have the 60s and 70s, we have exploitation style film coming out, and now satanic imagery is being implemented into our film and our, our popular media, and we're starting to see uh, Satan as part of our our upper class, the higher echelons mm-hmm. of society. Yeah. Wealthy socialites. Yes. They're the, they were the Satanists of the 60s and 70s. They wanted power. They already had a shit ton of power, but they're like, no, we want more. They're very greedy and very, very waspy. selfish. Very waspy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted power and they had a community. These were community-based films. You didn't, you know, 
let's say like Rosemary's baby. Yes. You know, we had that community of those, well, essentially satanic witches, but like they worship the devil and, you know, they had a power, this powerful community. They wanted to gain more power. There's often our protagonist is this super vulnerable person. So they alienate this vulnerable person. And this is important later on when we talk about our films. Yeah. But, you know, they alienate this vulnerable person to elevate themselves. And often it is vulnerable women. Vulnerable yes. young women, because not yep. only is it so taboo to deflower a vulnerable woman, it's also titillating. Ooh, and that's ooh. what film was in the 60s and 70s when it came to portraying Satan or Satanists in films. It was very sexy and it was very titillating. Mm-hmm. It was very like, because often we associate carnal pleasures with Satan. So in the 60s mm-hmm. and 70s, they wouldn't rent this well. So you get these, you know, the socialites, you get the hippies who are all about like freedom <laughs> and anarchy and stuff like that and, the, and mm-hmm. how they kind of worship Satan. Then you get those Satans who are like who are like the slice of life folk the people who just live on the outskirts of town but they're not part of a cult but they a cult but they have like certain intentions mm-hmm. and i always think it's interesting how often in these films satanists are often the gatekeepers of the birth of a dark lord Ooh. yeah they are often the ones <laughs> who are bringing the antichrist into the world they're the ones that are finding the virginal mother and preparing her for the birth of a of a demon or satan himself mm-hmm. oh and of course what what better type of person than a witch to do that right <laughs> Right. Often, often it is witches who bring this about. Yeah, because <laughs> some of these, yeah, a lot of those, like you're saying, those historical films, a lot of them are set in like the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1700s. Sorry, mm-hmm. and so yeah, that was like a big witch craze. Or of course, all their witchy powers are coming from them being in league with Satan, and they need to be vanquished. Yeah. <laughs> But then we get into like the 80s and 90s and things definitely, you see a shift, sorry, a twist and a shift. Yeah. <laughs> Satanists can now be anyone, just like unassuming regular folk down the street. They could be your neighbors. They could be, you know, your mom or yeah. your uncle or your teacher or your doctor. And I find some of the, some of these films are interesting and some of, some of them aren't. I feel like they lose a lot of that like cult ritual aspects mm-hmm. of Satanism of old and they become more like comedy fantasy or Satan adjacent quote unquote yeah I love it when they talk about uh, the film end of days and how all of a sudden <laughs> Satan appears in action movies now like yeah <laughs> you have Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> trying to like stop the end of days because right often mm-hmm. Satan is is related to revelations the end of the world and yeah we definitely get this new reinvention of Satanists that they are <laughs> Like you said, they are everywhere and nothing will, and they're, they're no longer hiding in the dark shadows or they're no longer like in the ones in the 60s and 70s wearing like the blood red cloaks and, you yep. know, walking around with their <laughs> candles, right? They're just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to yeah. kill you now because I'm a Satanist. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I would say a better word for them are devil worshippers. Uh, yes. Yes, right? <laughs> well, because we were getting, like, you were talking earlier, too, where, like, we have satanic panic, satanic ritual abuse. Often, I think it, it would have been, like, in the 80s and 90s, a lot of, like, the serial killer movies and stuff like that would be, like, relate them to, like, Satanists, and they were somehow mm-hmm. devil worshippers. And then, mm-hmm. like we talked about in our last podcast episode, metal music. Often, if you mm-hmm. listen to metal, you were a devil worshipper. Mm-hmm. Anyone who is mm-hmm. other, anyone who is different. And didn't mm-hmm. fit into the social norm. But so then once they, so like Satan is seen as someone to kind of be like the figure for the other. But mm-hmm. in popular culture, then this was seen as bad. 
But what we'll get mm-hmm. into, we'll talk to how it's actually a very positive and very um, empowering type imagery of uh, Satan. And I think what is interesting now is that we're seeing in more current films is that we're re uh, in like the 2000s and 2010s and even now we're reappropriating this past and we're talking more about Satanism and we're talking more about satanic cats but really showing them for what they really were so really Mm -hmm. saying like a lot of the films are showing how the moral panic or a satanic panic was really about the fallibility of memory and the power of suggestion and as Kelly was saying you know it's really easy to mislead someone into thinking something happened to them and saying well oh, obviously this evil thing happened to you because of Satanist and, and mm-hmm. you know and how these a lot of these films are really showing how faith based readings of history have a culture mm-hmm. of creating a culture of fearing Satanist in a lot of the research that we did there is actually no physical documented history of actual Satanists before 1966. Like, mm-hmm. people believed there was, like, a worship of Satan, but, like, that's just, like, mm-hmm. from religious organizations saying, well, all these witches or all these people, they were mm-hmm. devil worshippers, da 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 mm-hmm. But there was actually no physical organizations or anything documented. And so a lot of people are credit the Church of Satan as being, this is the first organization of actual Satan worshippers. Mm-hmm. Well said. Should we get on to our first film of this uh, episode? Yes, let's do it. Excellent. So this is 1971's The Blood on Satan. When the grave of the devil is disturbed by the plow, the satanic essence of evil wreaks violent and revolting revenge. But it weren't human, sir. There were fur. Then it was an animal's remains. It were more like some fiend. And the evil grows quickly, attacking first the youth of the village and making them the devil's children. Half, look, look. Oh, God, I prayed I'd never see that again. That's what they call the devil's skin. Doctor, witchcraft is dead and discredited. Are you bent on reviving forgotten horrors? How do we know, sir, what is dead? Blood on Satan's claw was like a horrible disease, highly contagious and deadly dangerous. Hail, Bear Moth, spirit of the dark, take thou my blood, my flesh, my skin, and walk. Holy Bear Moth, father of my life, speak now, come now, rise now from the forest, from the far... Blood on Satan's Claw stars Patrick Wymark as the judge who tries the devil, Linda Hayden as Angel Blake, daughter of Satan, Barry Andrews as a victim but innocent, Michelle Dotrice as the devil's child, and James Hayter as the village squire. Thou stole my master's skin, thou shalt pay with thine. I think thou could be saved. These dogs know how to tear the devil's heel. Thou telltale bitch, thou set the dance on me. Of course I didn't. Art thou ready to give thy skin tonight? Art thou ready? Satan's claw. So this 
was a first time watch for myself. We were toying between this one and Deliver Us from Evil. But again, we wanted to really try to stay away from possession and witchcraft, but particularly possession. And of course, so many films that talk about Satan, especially older films, it's all about possession. And so we wanted something that did not include those things. And so, yeah, this is it was all on YouTube, isn't it? as well yes that yes is, you're right <laughs> so if you want to watch it folks it's all on youtube it's 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 great and good quality too so first time watch for me same here first time watch for me when kelly and i decided this is the film we're gonna do <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> excellent well what did you like about it what I liked about it, and I know I'll get into more detail about this later, is it is very folky, and I like folk horror, so <laughs> I enjoyed it. It's my one of my favorite subgenres. I really like how it shows the impact of mass hysteria, and that really no one is safe when it comes to accusations of devil worship. And mm-hmm. even though we try to stay away from films that relate us to Satanism with witchcraft, we did. There mm-hmm. was some witchcraft in here, but once, but it was more mm-hmm. focused on like the whole Satanist aspect of it. Yeah. So I really kind of liked how that was being portrayed. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of really it. There's, because there were a lot of things I didn't like about the film. Okay. I echo those sentiments on, on what you liked. Yeah. It does like touch on it. There's like a moment of like the villagers being like, let's see, let's throw her in the water. And if she floats, well, then she's a witch yeah. or she sinks, she's not. I think that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's totally illogical. But there's a note that I have is from, he was like the guy that ran the town or something. I don't the remember judge. his name. Yes, the judge. judge. (laughs) Right. So the judge, he was just like, oh, this isn't witchcraft. What's happening in your village? That was, hold on. I have the exact quote. I wrote it down because I thought it was really fantastic. It was, witchcraft is dead and discredited. I was like, yes, thank you. It's true. It has been. So I also liked how they portrayed witchcraft in this. They're like, no, we're going to poo-poo on that because that's not actually what's happening. Yeah, Yeah, that's, there's some other kind of entity and something else going on in your village. And it's not witches because that's not a thing, folks. So I did. I was really surprised by that. I liked it. I thought that the acting was really great. I really liked the score. I liked the score a lot. That really stood out to me when I was watching it. The location... Like, I just, it was really beautiful mm-hmm. to watch. Again, it does lend to that folk kind of aspects, these villages and daylight horror. Pretty much everything yes. happened during the day. Yes. Very yes. few scenes happened at night, if any at all. All the rituals and all of the horrors that happen are during the daytime. Yeah, that is very so. true. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked that because, you know, Satan specifically and like horror movies are always so they're drenched in darkness. Yes. And uh, this was not that at all. It was very bright and sunny. I really liked Angel Blake, our child cult leader. I thought she was like really like beautiful and odd and well portrayed. Uh, I liked her. You loved her eyebrows later on? Were you loving yeah, her eyebrows? I was weird and wonderful. <laughs> I was like, are you, is that supposed to be like an evil thing? Your pointy eyebrows? Hey, I got pointy eyebrows. And uh, <laughs> the other thing I liked, which kind of lends to the whole witch, witchcraft vibe and how they portrayed it, but Kathy family. Kathy is an unfortunate victim mm. of the, the cult in this, but they were really adorable and sweet and accepting of this random witch person. Like, the son's like, hey, they threw in the water and I saved her and I brought her home and they just, like, took care of her. They're like, no, this is illogical. She's not a witch. Whatever. This is yeah. fine. And then they just took care of her, you know. She ended up being, uh, obviously, the very devout uh, devil worshiper and not a witch. But I just thought that was very refreshing to see that in 1971, we have this 
really, well, it's obviously not set in 1971. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they were just so tolerant. And I liked that. Yeah, considering that the poor woman, like, just lost her daughter in, the, in like, a really horrible, like, yep. rape and murder scene type thing. And then she's just like, oh, well, I will adopt this new daughter because she was friends with yep. my other daughter. And I'm just like, because also, too, she also lost her other son. She, like, yes. the poor woman lost both her children to this devil-worshipping cult. Yeah. <laughs> Who this woman is a part of. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? <laughs> but she doesn't know that yet. <laughs> no. So was there anything that you disliked about the film? Not really a dislike. It just what I wasn't expecting it. And it was just a hell of a lot more pagan than it was satanic. Mm. Um, so okay. that just uh, just kind of caught me off guard. And of course, a white religious man wins the day and God saves all the children. Our righteousness prevails. Evil is banished. I was just like, wah, wah. With your fancy new sword. And now we're going to defeat the enemy. I was just like, okay. That scene. Like, I get it. Like, that, I get it. But, like, oh, God. Oh, part of me is like, that scene is just pure cheese. Like, just totally, just like the big, giant, glowing sword. And he's like, I will take you down, Satan. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I really wish it didn't end that way. Yeah, so it's, I felt like, yeah, it was really cheesy. Like, the rest of the movie didn't really kind of have that tone, so it was all just, like, a little too much for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, well, for me, it was more of the pacing. Um, I found my time, mm. at times, kind of getting a little lost mm. in some of the incoherence that was happening in the storyline. I'm like, okay, so what's happening now? This person, because there was that scene where they're like, we're, like, we're going to go hunting witches and stuff like that. And I was just like, oh, okay, so now they're actually calling them witches, and then they do that whole scene there I was like okay no they're not Mm -hmm. okay interesting and just like kind of like I kept expecting us to see more of these like this this body of this like angel Satan um being that they had found like I know we see him Mm -hmm. at the end but I thought there'd be more around that but there was very little about that and never really and it just kind of went right into this is impacting the women and they're transforming like they're having somehow like transformation on them each way they're being touched by Satan's claw and Mm -hmm. it just like so I kind of was a little taken aback being like oh okay and then he shows up at the end I'm like oh there you are but okay I don't understand any of what's happening <laughs> mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I got confused I, I think that's right which is unfortunate I do plan to go back to this movie especially because when I did a little more research around this film and, and this film being a part of the whole birth of folk horror I was like okay now I need to go mm-hmm. back with a different mindset and just like see it as a more of a folk horror film I, I think it's because I was looking for more of Satan in this film <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right and that was the whole point and that's why we chose this film and that's kind of like we went into it being like yay Satan hey Satan. Oh, oh, less that. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fair. That that makes but sense. I, I totally get it. It does give us a good portrayal of what devil worshippers or Satanists are misrepresented in early films of that time. Yes, totally. It's a great representation of that. Yeah. yeah. Good choice. <laughs> Pat ourselves oh, yeah, on the exactly. back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Satan, deliver me from society. Which leads us into actually delving into what Satanism really is. Let's step away from the cinematic elements and step away from the film for a minute and talk about what Satanism is. And so our initial discussion here is going to be about like old traditional style Satanism and the Church of Satan, because that was all like 60s, 70s. 
And then later on, we'll talk about more modern dials. So Satanism is not actually the worship of the devil. Satanists don't believe in a literal Satan. You know, human beings rely on a lot of symbolism and metaphor, and that helps us understand the world we live in. And there's nothing wrong with building that kind of fantasy, just as long as us as like an individual understand that this is our controlled, well, delusion as a tool for dealing with our own existence. Satanists don't necessarily believe in the Christian version of Satan like that Christians mm. believe in. They actually embrace the more Hebrew term of Satan, which is which means adversary. And this mm-hmm. is how they see him. They see this image of Satan as a positive archetype of pride, individualism, and defiance, and really a departure from Abrahamic religions that deny humanity's natural instincts. Oh, yes. Humans are the gods, essentially. Gods in very much quotations. And it's our ego, our creative human mind, our brain that are kind of the focal point of their, well, religion. It is an organized religion. Satanists want to live life according to their own terms, not anybody else's. No gods, no masters. And the main satanic principle is that humans control our destiny. It is us that controls us, not some person in the sky, no devil down below. It is us that controls our fate and our destiny and our own lives. Yes. The Church of Satan. That was founded in April 30th, 1966 by the infamous Anton Sansor LeVay. They were the first, as you said, Jazz, the first above ground known organization in history that was openly dedicated to our true nature, humans' true nature, our carnal beast, you know, living in a cosmos that's indifferent to our own existence. Wow, does that sound familiar like yeah. cosmic horror? <laughs> Thanks, H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that in a quote from Anton LaVey himself, Satan is a symbol, nothing more. Satan signifies our love of the worldly and our rejection of the pallid, ineffectual image of Christ on the cross. So blasphemous. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, like you said, represents pride, liberty, individuality. For Satanists in the Church of Satan, God is more seen as like this balancing act of nature and Satan. Mm. Everything is in balance. It's not really about an actual physical being, but it's just a balance in our own natural world. And they have the nine satanic statements written by Anton LaVey, which were originally in the Satanic Bible, released in 1969, because the Church of Satan pretty much relies only on the writings of Anton LaVey himself. Yes, it's definitely a religious organization, 100%. First of its kind, like, like Kelly was saying. And they consider themselves purists. They reject all other organizations that claim to be Satanists, which we will talk about further on layer. But it's definitely, mm-hmm. as Kelly was saying, uh, the Church of Satan is very anti-theistic and their beliefs are derived r- directly from the natural science. So they're not, they don't believe in supernaturalist beliefs, but they do participate in a system of magic, which I think is interesting, known as uh, greater or lesser magic. So you have greater magic, which is where they do a lot of ritual. So they use emotional, energetic, psychodramatic catharsis in um, ritualistic practices to have a specific purpose done. And then we get Mm -hmm. lesser magic where they believe in uh, using the means of manipulation. So glamour and guile to bend an individual or one or situation to one's will. Yeah, they're super heavy on the rituals. Like, it's all about the aesthetic. And yes, Mm -hmm. they love the robes. They love the cloaks and the candles and the... They love rituals. And yes, they do believe in magic. (laughs) But their rituals are 
Yeah, sorry, I will get back to the nine satanic statements. But yeah, the rituals are really important because they're it's a very intense organization. It's intense on its study, intense on its readings, and there's multiple different volumes of books. There's like, besides the satanic vial, they have the satanic witch. There's just different volumes for you to be reading and following mm-hmm. as an individual. And these rituals are important to them. They're very ritualistic as, they're like, these satanists anyways. And in these rituals, they're not worshipping Satan. In these rituals, it's the person that is in in, th- in theory and in essence, Satan. And rituals are important to, well, humanity. Like humans love symbolism. They love rituals. They love routines. They love that. And uh, they're saying, they being on the website of Church of Satan, that rituals are important. It serves as a means for releasing pent up emotions that people may not fully understand. Rituals are for a psychological purpose. It's not for a means of worship of our super, like a supernatural identity. It's for the individual and really doing, you know, releasing those emotions and whatever you need to, I guess, kind of figure out and do for yourself yes. is yeah. what these rituals are about. Exactly. And super interesting, one of uh, LaVey had quoted, he really believed that Satanists were born they weren't made. So mm. he felt that the Satanist is a natural outsider and they live how they see fit. It's all about aesthetic. It's all about perspective and it's all about lifestyle. And so this is mm-hmm. where the idea of ritual and kind of like a magic come into play. Like you are, like Kelly was saying earlier, you're in control of your own destiny. You are not subservient to any other man, not even a, a you know, you're, it's all about the individual. So it was really became like the world's first carnal religion, a religion about the flesh and the material, which is very different because a lot of our religions are all about the spiritual world it's we know like Mm -hmm. separating humanity from like the human earth from a spiritual realm where satanists are all about the physical realm like we are here in this Mm -hmm. world right now so we need to live in this world Mm -hmm. they're very in the present they're in the moment this is our physical body what are we going to do with it how can we live our best life now because yeah there's no afterlife in their minds. Let me go back to the nine satanic statements because this is important because later on when we talk about a different organization, kind of comparing and contrasting different ideologies and different beliefs, different philosophies anyways. So, and these are very dramatic and very (laughs) thematic. (laughs) Picture me in a darkened room lit only by candles with a black robe. And I bet you guys can all see Kelly doing this. (laughs) Yep, it's happening right now. <laughs> I that's how I record every single podcast. <laughs> so the nine satanic statements. Number 1, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Number 2, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Number 3, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Number 4, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. 5, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Mm. Number six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Number seven, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours, who, because of his, quote, divine spiritual and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. Number eight, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. And number nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. Does that really need to be a statement? I don't know. That's more of a joke (laughs) that we've all said many times, especially in film. (laughs) So those are dramatic. They're 
and Very dramatic. definitely can lead into seeing that it's this form of Satanism is very much into ourselves, our own body, our own mind, and all about the self and not others, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, give give love to those who deserve it. It's kind of harsh, actually. <laughs> Was it, they have the ten, their, their ten commandments. And there was one that I remember when I was a kid, someone, because I remember being totally terrified of Anton LaVey. And I had a cousin <laughs> who was reading the Satanic Bible. And she was telling me about this. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my goodness. And she was telling me about like one of the, the covenant, like one of the commandments was like, if you see someone, if someone crosses your path in a field and they don't acknowledge you, you have the right to destroy them type thing. I was like, what? (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I, when I was a teenager, I had it. I had it for many years, the Satanic Bible, and I've read it. It's, it's, it's over the top. Okay. It's like, it was like too much for me. And I was like, wow, this is, there's, there's a lot going on here. And I could just be a good person. (laughs) <laughs> and not, you know, I don't, don't need all of this, but yeah, it's like very to the point and very self-involved and yeah, very dramatic. So yes, it makes sense that these people would be in robes and doing rituals all the time. They're very much purist, right? They're all about yep. being very specific about their organization. They're, they're all about study, not worship. They are all about improving them as individuals as mm-hmm. indiv- mm-hmm. and really remember it as individuals. And you can learn more about their various memberships. There's only two types of memberships. There's active member and registered members. And they don't give you many details because you have to like register, you have to like apply to learn different things. And I remember like we were on the website and we all, you know, if people want to learn more, go to the www.churchofsatan.com and you can learn more about their different um, levels because they have different levels too. And a lot of it's secret. There's some secret stuff going on too that you can't mm-hmm. find out. You know, you have to like be able to do certain things. So I don't really don't know, obviously, because I yeah. am not applying, but it was we're not a level 10 I'm Satanist. Not, I'm not, no. <laughs> but it was um, intriguing for a lot of celebrities right we do have like mm-hmm. especially early in the 60s and 70s like you know famously like Sam- Sammy Davis Jr. and James Manfield were you know members of the Church of Satan and they drew a lot of attention to themselves because of they were out there and they had the different ideologies mm-hmm. and different ideas and then you get later on in the 1980s uh, LaVey's daughter Zena she became a very prominent figure because she was the church's high priestess but she spoke a lot about satanic panic and did a number of media appearances to educate people about Satanism about these uh, these commandments mm-hmm. these statements and refute claims that Satanists are being a part of any kind of ritual or occult abuse, much like Dee Snyder in the trials there with Tipper Gore. Mm-hmm. But the Church mm-hmm. of Satan is very doctrinally based and is very rigid in maintaining its purity. And I bring this mm-hmm. up because they actually have nine satanic sins, which are <laughs> super interesting. And when I was reading them, I mean, I was like, well, this is interesting. They have these sins, but yet at the same time too, though, a lot of the films represent Satanists as breaking these sins. Like these, that this is mm-hmm. not how I view Satanists. And so yep. say here what the nine sins are and then kind of go into just like brief, I think Kelly has like some also like brief, like what exactly it is. But the first one, a, a sin is, and it's a cardinal sin of Satanism, stupidity. <laughs> yep. Do not. Don't be an idiot, folks. Do not be an idiot. Pretentiousness. So yep. no, no emptying, posturing you know you're on equal footing with everyone no one everyone's made to feel like a big shot whether you can come in with the goods or not i didn't really understand the uh, syllopoism that is the viewer theory that the self is all that can be known to exist i looked up the definition of it because i also didn't know what it was do unto others as they would do unto you yeah so they're saying this is very dangerous for satanists uh, projecting your reactions or 
responses or sensibilities onto someone who is probably far less attuned than you are. Was it self-deceit, which is also part of the nine satanic statements, but deserves to repeat here. So another cardinal sin. We must pay homage to any of the sacred cows presented to us, including the roles we are expected to play ourselves. Herd conformity, which I thought was so mm-hmm. interesting. So mm-hmm. it is all right to conform to a person's wishes if ultimately benefits you, but only fools follow along with a herd. How often is it in satanic movies that there is a cult, that there is a group yeah. of them? <laughs> it is. I know, right? <laughs> they say, like, don't let anyone blindly guide you. Like, fine. Yes, all of this is about thinking for yourself. You can think for yourself and be part of a group, but then you are you following the herd in your group? Right? I don't know. It's That's a slippery slope, I think, or as my friend Kelly would say, that's a tricky pickle. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. But overall, like, don't lose sight of who you are is another thing. And not to remember, and I did, I did appreciate this, but not everyone comes to Satanism easily or quickly. Mm-hmm. And remember that there are other belief systems out there that have been here for thousands yes, of years. Yes. So let's just give people a break and, you know, give them a chance. What is it, the other one? Uh, counterproductive. Uh, so I think you just kind of, you touched upon it. Two, two of them, lack of perspective. Yeah. So you're not losing sight of who you are. Yeah. Like you're saying forgetfulness mm-hmm. of path of orthodoxies, respect, counterproductive pride. Pride is it's great up to the point where you begin to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So real estate yeah. is, is if it works for you, great. When it stops working for you, then stop. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pride is good, but don't let it get in the way. Yeah. And I definitely, this last rule was great. And when I saw it, I thought of Kelly right away is lack of aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about aesthetic, man. And Satanists are aesthetic as fuck. Exactly. You need those, like, they're like, you have to have standards. Like, it's obvious that no one can collect any money off of classical standards of beauty or form most of the time. So they are discouraged in a consumer society. But in the eye of beauty, for balance, it is essential for a satanic tool and must be applied to the greatest magical effectiveness. It's a very wordy way to say like just fucking have pride in your appearance and your aesthetic and just you know have standards. Though like I'm joking about it but what's interesting is that especially in 2020 the satanic imagery mm-hmm. and symbolism has like it's everywhere. Let's say hot topic. It's just like in everything all the time. Like it's just like so cool now but it's obviously mass marketed inappropriately. It removes, removes all magic meaning and symbolism and now it's just like oh look I'm wearing a baphomet or I'm you know I'm wearing a pentagram and like so cool and edgy Mm -hmm. but like they don't actually believe in anything and that sometimes can rub satanists the wrong way which I could understand you know you're wearing something without you know the belief in it like I there's a lot of really wonderful jewelry out there that has a lot of really cool symbols and imagery with you know contained with them but the background of it, I don't really want to wear a sigil of something that I don't necessarily believe in, even though I think it looks really, really rad. Yeah. But I just don't feel right wearing it unless I like firmly believe in what it's saying. Yeah. So that's just my point of view. But, you know, buying something that's hot topic with Satan on it is it just kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like we understand that people are like, oh, that looks super cool and super gothy. But it at the same time, too, though, is, is representative of, of an organization or of a religious belief and an individuality and a symbol. So I thought these uh, nine satanic sins were really interesting because it just, in the films, like the two films that we watched, you know, show some of these sins being committed. But we Mm -hmm. also see them often in a lot of films that have Satanists in the film. Like often I find, and especially particularly the one film in in particular, the one with uh, Grady Hendrix wrote Satanic Panic, where I was Mm -hmm. just like, Mm -hmm. you know, the first rule is like stupidity. Like, don't be stupid. I'm like, well, often Satanists are shown as being, you know, very naive and easily, you know, Mm -hmm. persuaded 
persuaded mm-hmm. by the protagonist to do something against their wishes or something like that. You know, it's like they're often shown as looking like idiots um, mm-hmm. to make them less mm-hmm. uh, fearful. For sure. And often, like, they often show that Satanists are all very selfish and willing to perform acts to not only in service of Satan, but also to, like, in service of themselves and then, you mm-hmm. know, and then hurt the community, you know, hurt conformity. There's mm-hmm. often, like, a cult. They're all cult. They're all about following Satan or they're all about following, you know, something within the cult. Mm-hmm. They often mm-hmm. lose lack of perspective. So they often get yeah, caught up 100%. in the ritual and they often find themselves being, you know, so caught up in the ritual and the purpose of what they're doing that they lack rationale and follow through. So mm-hmm. they're often easily defeated by the protagonist. Yeah, the exact opposite of what Satanism and Satanists actually believe. Yeah. So, of course, films are going to accurately represent a group of people, of marginalized people. But yeah, that was fascinating. You're like, look at these sins. You're just going against all of what they actually believe in and just showing them as yeah I love that I love what you said about like they just lose all perspective and they just get caught up Mm -hmm. in their own shit that they're you know they easily can be taken down because they're not overly smart yeah and I think the only sin that they don't commit is aesthetic as we can say and like as Kelly and I have said Mm -hmm. often throughout this podcast (laughs) in movies Satanists are often portrayed as like looking very well to do very well done you know even when like in A Blood of Satan's Clock Kelly's talking about child cult leader Angel she looks great in the flowing white she's got the culture going Mm -hmm. she's got the the, you know the very folky pagan idea of the flowers around the head and we're entranced by it we're intrigued by that imagery we've talked about Todd in the Book of Pure Evil but those Satanists they get it. Those old ass Satanists, like they got the robes, yep. they got the candles, they got the horns, and uh, it's the rings. <laughs> Definitely, it's always about the aesthetic. Always, always, yeah. So, talking about blood and Satan's claw, you know, I still feel like there's a bit in like old, old, old world, old school Satanism, and sometimes you know the films don't represent us as much, but there is a bit of like in Blood and Satan's Claw. There's a lot. Of, there is delu- there's a lot of delusion, but a lot of superstition, yeah. and some of that. Old, that old Satanism and just read those satanic statements but there is some superstition in there I feel like 100% like we watch this film and we see that the they, they discover this bones of this devil of this angel right mm-hmm. and he's immediately weak in the film and it's interesting how he needs to use children and women to bring his evil and that's once again mm-hmm. leading back to that whole superstition that you know because Peter um, we see in the beginning of the film the one guy he brings his new bride or his future bride to his aunt's house and she's just like oh my mm-hmm. goodness she's gonna like subdue seduce you and like you know really emphasizing the deceit of women and mm-hmm. all these like superstitious mm-hmm. beliefs that you can't have an unmarried woman in our house you're you're bringing on bad trouble yes. which ends up happening sarah ends up getting you know attacked by some kind of being and she's and, you know we see this kind of like infestation of evil through the women and then the children mm-hmm. and then it creates this idea of mass hysteria and then everyone's all superstitious and be like oh it's the devil's in the air right and the judge was like you guys are no there's no devil there's no witch what are you talking about like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> something else going on mm-hmm. here well, I liked that opening scene a lot and I like I guess the first couple of scenes because yeah she goes in to sleep upstairs and she sees some horrific thing and something horrific happens that we don't actually see yeah. and they are just immediately nailing that that door shut she's like 
oh no, she is hysterical. Yeah. She now needs to com- be committed to the asylum. Like that escalated very quickly. Yeah. Wow, that was ridiculous. But that was great because I think, well, the minds of people who think that, you know, uh, Satanists are, are terrible, that yeah, there's a lot of ritual sacrifice, not only of children, but they use a lot of women, nude women in their, in their, in their sacrifices, yeah. in their rituals, but not men. And the, you know, scandalous, naked, female, feminine form is, a, well, the sign of the devil, <laughs> essentially. Well, it's interesting in this film how we see the mass hysteria as is brewing and burning. We see that the women and the children are Mm -hmm. changing, but the men are all becoming victims. They're all becoming sick and they're all becoming injured. And then we see Angel Mm -hmm. rise up as this, like, you know, cult kind of leader and what should she do what i thought was interesting is that she goes to seduce a priest right oh boy he rejects her so then she turns around and says he tried to come after me and what i thought was so interesting is that they believed her and they're like yes yes Yes, I know. They're like, well, fuck that guy. What a terrible, they weren't immediately, one, because he's a dude, and also because he's a priest, they didn't immediately think that she was full of shit. They're just like, oh yeah, no, you're a good girl. And like, this is, we cannot have this in our town. This town, man, and these people are just like really rational minded. And I, again, that was another scene that was so, so amazing. Yes, thank you for bringing it up. They're like, yes, she was 100% believed right away. Children don't lie. No, exactly right. (laughs) But then it allows, for this uh, for this cult of children to start growing influence right and all of a sudden our adults are becoming witch hunters but then our children are and i thought the children in this film were brutal like they were just like yes they can be exactly right like they're under satan's influence and they're out there chasing each other down they you know perform a satanic murder right they 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 perform (laughs) essentially a rape and murder of uh, another a young girl in their way of getting ready for uh, satan's birth right because Mm -hmm. as we're seeing satan's power grow this being that was originally just a bunch of bones is now actually becoming full form becoming corporeal yeah i guess you know corporeal more if like they were in spirit but maybe there is like a thing there there was some kind of like evil dark spirit or something energy if you want to believe in that going on that could inf- easily infest and infect our children but talking about that ritual again that is something that people thought that Satanists did. Yeah, that's we're going to rape and murder these women and our rituals so we can gain power for ourselves. And because that's what Satan wants. That's what the devil needs. He needs the succulent, nubile, young flesh of these women. And they just don't care about our bodily forms. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I even looked up because I couldn't really understand what they were saying um, with regards to the name of the being. Okay. So I looked it up today and it's called the behemoth. Oh, okay. So okay. that's who they don't ever really say like the kids anyways. It's like our dark master, the master, the master. Mm-hmm. But at one point, there's a older woman reading from a, a book and it's, I couldn't really tell, but yeah, they are essentially worshiping the behemoth. Okay, yeah. It's a film that shows this behemoth and typically sometimes Satan is seen as a, these satanic creatures are like like an arm of Satan. So they may not necessarily be Satan themselves, but it's like a, mm-hmm. a you know a beastly creature that is in some kind of allegiance with a Satan himself. But I thought was really interesting is that how they portray these satanic cults, you know, all about being about self-preservation, all about sacrificing each other to preserve their place within the organization. So when Margaret mm-hmm. goes back, like she has the devil skin removed from her leg. And when yeah. she goes back to Angel, she's like, I made my way back. I'm still a true believer. And Angel's like, 
no, you're not. You don't have no. a skin on you anymore. Like, no, you're out. You're out. Gone. Like, bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all about, they portray Satanists as really just truly giving themselves over to Satan. Like, that he is like, they're 100% serving a master and giving themselves completely over to him, which is yeah. definitely not a representation of what Satanists are. Like, they don't give themselves over to something at all. No. We give ourselves over to ourselves. Yes. <laughs> exactly. If I was a Satanist saying that. Yes. I liked that. I really thought that that idea of the, the devil's skin to be oh, okay. really interesting. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, that's not something I've really heard of, um, but I really liked that. And folks, if you haven't seen the film, there's like a little furry patch that appears on, on the body of some of the townsfolk, and that is shown as the mark of the devil. So just before this movie, have you heard of something like that before? I know of like marks of the devil, but like this, like the devil's skin or like this furry patch I had or something I never heard about this. Like the only mark of the devil mm-hmm. I ever heard about was like in the omen, right? With the, the three sixes on the back of Damien's yeah. skull. That's about it. Right. Right. Or like you're marked by some kind of like, actually, you know, upside down cross. That's usually the typical, you know, but yeah, the whole Mm -hmm. idea that touched by Satan's claw, like they literally like something beastly shows up on their legs. Right. And so that's kind of like leading into that whole like bringing out within the children, their carnal, their natural animalistic kind of like desires. Right. You know, because typically religion is what keeps that all in. We keep it suppressed. Yes. We keep it repressed. We don't yep. let that out. But then they're raping and murdering and killing. They're pillaging. Like, you know, they're just like, they're just following their basic uh, needs. Yes. And urges. But like to the nth degree, yes. like to an exaggeration. Because yes, have sex and live your life. But they, yeah, they bring it out to such a, an exaggeration that like, and you know, it goes to rape and murder yeah. and lying and, you know, all those types of types of things. Whereas, you know, in reality, that's, that's not what... Uh, a Satanist uh, would do and a punishment for outwardly expressing those types of desires. And yes, like you said, the like regular quote, quote, normie religions, um, (laughs) like Christianity and whatnot. Yeah, it's all about oppression and repression. And I love that comment that you made. It's like literally like it's coming through these children. I love that so much. And I thought this movie just was really, really cool, like really well done with with its uh, just its premise overall. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I, it was really fun to find out for me, like touching on a little bit of my favorite subgenre of folk horror, because often Satanism is related to folk horror because typically folk horror mm-hmm. deals with pagan beliefs. And typically Christian religions view Satanism and paganism as the same thing. Like you're just, you just believe in things that yeah. are not normal in our eyes. You, know, you don't believe in, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't believe in God. Yeah. You are a heathen so we put you yeah. over here. And yes, this completely. film is actually considered part of a trio of horror films that are tended to be credited with the birth of folk horror. And this is such as The Witchfinder General, which is a really great film with uh, Vincent Price. The Wicker Man, which I absolutely love, with uh, Christopher Lee as Lord Summer Isle. Mm-hmm. And then this film, and often folk mm-hmm. horror, it uses elements of rural location, an isolated group, skewed morals, mm-hmm. police systems, and a supernatural and violent mm-hmm. happenings. And it's often about the resurrection of an old power coming into a current society, and we're bringing out the fears and horrors of a long forgotten people, and they're using rituals mm-hmm. to protect themselves. So it's really interesting because these, like, folk horror tends to see, like, the pulling apart of a fabric in society and challenging current moral beliefs but satanism also does the same thing as well so yes it's really interesting that when you look at folk horror you can you can kind of see where satanism comes in because often in a lot of films that we have seen that involve either satanism or demonic possession in some ways often in a rural location often the people are isolated 
often there's some mm-hmm. kind of skewed moral belief or system and there's usually a supernatural event that happens the only thing mm-hmm. the only difference is with folk horror is a lot of like as kelly says there's a lot of pastoral shots so a lot of beautiful landscape area there's a lot of flower mm-hmm. crowns and there's just like you know a lot of daytime a lot, yeah a lot of daytime <laughs> horror all this stuff yeah. happens yeah. during the day and there's just this like supernatural presence always kind of lurking and that's kind of where yeah you know that element of satanism comes in like he's always just kind of lurking he's always lurking yep. in the shadows and it's just the people who come out to give him yeah. form and, and give him and Ooh, give him that yes. representative of fear because of how totally. they act in service of him. Yes, they have been corrupted <laughs> at uh, <laughs> by the devil. Yeah, this movie is definitely more pagan in its aesthetics, the atmosphere, and the mood. And I also saw read that uh, actually this film, Blood and Satan's Claw, was a film for which the term folk horror was coined. Like this is the film. Okay, I see which it. Which is totally. interesting. Yeah, so this might be an interesting film to revisit later on. You know, when we because we will eventually in our massive list of things <laughs> to talk about, but get into folk horror probably twenty twenty one. I know Jess is like biting at the bit for that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so that was really surprising, not expected, but uh, I did. Yeah, it was definitely more more in vain of that. But I I like what you said with regards to it's even though it was more pagan, there's a lot of like elements of Satanism and Satanic cults and everything that could be just put alongside it parallel Mm -hmm. and make a whole lot of sense. Make a whole lot of sense. And I could see this film having influenced other films that have some kind of element Mm -hmm. of Satanism in them. Um, the way the different like the marks on the skin because I'm pretty sure we've seen other films yeah. where like you know they're somehow touched like I said the omen but there's other later films in the 80s mm-hmm. and stuff like that that show like oh you know you're evil because this is crawling into your skin or some form of possession and I could see this film influencing mm-hmm. that idea of Satan and, and devil worshippers in later films as well. So to carry on on our discussion about Satanism and its representation in film, not only did we look at the Church of Satan and, you know, the 1970s and older representation of Satan and Satanic cults in films, we also like to look at the modern day uh, Satanic uh, representation in films. And the film that we had chose and we're going to talk about next is The House of the Devil from 2009. I can tell you like it. I love it. It's perfect. About the deposit? I'll agree to waive all the deposit stuff. You just give me the first month's down, we'll call it a day, all right? It's hard coming up with all that money, isn't it? Uh, it's gonna work out. You're not the one with $84 in a bank account and I checked her right on Monday. You know what you should do. Hi, I'm calling in regards to the babysitter flyer posted outside my dorm. The night's big eclipse is now well underway. I feel a little weird just dropping you out here, like in the middle of wherever we are. because I've not been completely honest. We're from the desert, you know. You see, we we actually don't have a child. They lied to you. I know. Okay, I know you're right. But it's $400. This equals first month's rent and then some, and all I have to do is sit inside and watch TV. This is huge. This one night changes everything for me. Oh my god! Talk to me, Lord. Talk to me. 
So I, pr I'm pretty sure that I saw Ty West, the innkeepers first before House of the Devil. I'm pretty sure that's how it went. Anyway, so I saw the innkeepers first, which I loved so much. We've talked about that film. We bring it up all the time, yeah. but I, I loved it so much. So I was really excited to check out House of the Devil. It seemed like right up my alley. I own it. I adore it. I also just really love Ty West's work and I really want to make a new movie. He's been working more on a lot of like TV series like The Exorcist and he did something, one episode of the Scream TV series, but I also loved the sacrament which is his not horror but it's like his found footage jonestown style cult murders oh, uh, okay. film he did a short in vhs called second honeymoon and a short in the abcs of death and i just want more ty west so after i saw the innkeepers which i love 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 um i was really pumped to see house of the devil like just the it just sounded very interesting and up my alley nice how about you uh well for me i heard about the house of the devil from the faculty of horror and then i forgot about it and then i saw the innkeepers based on a recommendation from you and loved it because mm -hmm. i love that mm -hmm. type of atmosphere so when i was telling you how much i enjoyed the innkeepers i'm like oh well then you'll also enjoy house yep. of the devil and then i was like oh i remember the faculty of horror talking about this so i sought it out right and I watched it, and this is my second time watching it. And yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I really do like Ty West's work as well. It's, it's up my alley in terms of atmosphere. Okay, well, what did you like about House of the Devil? So I will pretty much just say right off the bat, there is little that I dislike about this film. I like this <laughs> film a lot. I love I love his homage to the late 70s, early 80s um, style, of both like mm -hmm. style, music, cinematography, like even just like the opening credit, like the one you're when she's like mm -hmm. walking down the street and she's got like, it's like House of the Devil. And I'm like, this is so nice. I love this. I'm very charming. <laughs> I loved how it's not shoved in my face. This is a satanic cult or that it's mm -hmm. satanic panic. It's very subversive because it just mm -hmm. really builds on this atmosphere of dread the entirety of the film. And I just really like that mm -hmm. a lot. I love Samantha's character. I think she's great. Mm -hmm. I love her little montage mm -hmm. with the headphones. It's just like... Her little dance. Yes. It's oh, just... So, it's such a brilliant point in the film because she's just there babysitting and she's trying to act normal and have a sense of normalcy and so she puts these headphones and she, I can't remember the I always forget the song that she listens to but I'm like every time I'm like yeah that's a good yeah. song and she's like you know dancing yeah. around the house and stuff like that so yeah and I feel like this film escalates at the right point like I feel like it mm. has good pacing and that like you're as you're with Samantha and in her journey and you're building that sense of dread you're like and then all of a sudden stuff ha starts happening and it doesn't slow down I find mm -hmm. that the ending doesn't slow down it just keeps going and then it's over and you're like whoa what just happened what I like about it is a lot of the same things. Love a cameo by D. Wallace. Yes. I'll take that any day. I love Tom Noonan. That man is a treasure. I know he's been on tons of things. The thing, two things at the top of my mind that I adore him in is he is Frankenstein's monster in the Monster Squad. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> oh, God. And he plays uh, Francis Dollarhide, the serial killer in Manhunter, which is based off of Thomas Harris's book, Red Dragon. And he's just like so brilliant and he's so just like tall and scary but also you meet him and he's just like the, the his voice too is very unique and he's very soft-spoken and he's very very sweet man to meet 
I met him a long time ago at Fan Expo. Mm. So I, I love him. I love that he was in this. Yes, that 80s vibe, fucking banger of a soundtrack, the synthy score, yeah. the dance scene, the cinematography really stood out to me on this time. I think I've watched this like three or four times now. Um, cinematography is so wonderful. So, so good. I like the aesthetic. Um, I, and I like that satanic reveal. Like, what's behind this closed yes. door? Boom! <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, you have no idea because it's been building. There's all these little red flags and weird things coming up. And you're like, none of this is okay, but I don't really know what's not okay about it yet. Especially that one scene where she's like walking around the house and you don't, she doesn't see it, but she's like tries to open the door and like she tries and then, yep. and then all of a sudden like it pans in and it's like sacrifice. Yep. <laughs> like pentacle and you're like, oh my God, okay. Yeah. There's a pentagram. Yeah. There's a dead people that she just saw a photo of. Yeah. Duh. And a dead child, so child murder. Mm -hmm. And nobody, not often do you see child murder, so I appreciate and respect that. Megan's death. (sighs) Holy shit. This time around, it still got me. So brutal. Aren't you the babysitter? No. Boom. And I was like, "Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. (laughs) It's so brutal and just like nonchalant and apathetic and unexpected and scary and cold. The biggest thing, and I wanted to bring up other Ty West work because holy shit, I'm thinking about Samantha to I'm sorry, the female protagonist and the innkeepers. I forget her name right now at the top of my head. Claire? Claire. I think it was Claire. Anyways, sorry guys. Oh, he writes these incredible, well-written, very likable lead females that are just like, they're soft and they're sweet and they're smart. And you're like, dude, is this even somebody acting? Like this could, this is like a person that you know. And they're just so adorable and kind and real people. And I just, I really find those two characters kind of side by side to have so many similarities. And there's also the similarities in those, in those two movies. Yes. Do a comparison on those two, but yikes, like it's just her and Claire are just so similar. And I just really noticed that this time around and you just want to give them a big hug. You do. Yeah. They're so well, well realized. I love it so much. So is there anything that you dislike? Okay. Not, I like, like, and dislike this. This is the movie that that has the fucking hair in the tub oh, and it just grosses yes. me out so much. I forgot about it. And she like, and you always think when you're watching a horror movie, if you go to some, like if it's all spooky and they're going to look in a tub, like it's going to be like clogged. It's going to be full of murky water and they're going to put their hand in it. And you're just like, don't, don't do, do that. that. And something's going to pop out. Like just don't go near tubs and horror movies. Stuff's coming out of them. Ugh. Pro tip from anyway. Kelly. <laughs> so uh, don't go near tubs and horror movies. And so showers fine. Tub are a big no-no. And so she's looking in and she's horrified. I'm like, ah, what's in there? And it's just a whole bunch of clumps and mats of hair and like I could vomit. Uh. It's so disgusting. So it's like really effective for me, but so I like like and dislike it, but it is so disgusting. I try to forget that that's in the movie every time. Uh. I'm not super pleased with like the ending ending mm. because I really wanted Samantha to take her own life in her hands, take her agency back. And it's like, no, I'm killing myself. This is not happening. The Antichrist is not going to be birthed from my body. Yeah. But no, she miraculously survives a, a shot to the head. And now <sighs> she's pregnant and here comes the Antichrist. Like, I really wish that part would have been taken out and she would have killed herself. And it would have been like, 
boom and then it's over house of the devil yeah like i remember when i first saw that scene i was like oh it's done and then i saw the hospital i was like oh okay so hopefully she lived and they're like no you're both living i was like oh no then i'm like okay well maybe later i'm like well she's not in for a good time now (laughs) like no now she's going into like rosemary's baby stuff now oh yeah exactly exactly so i'm not super thrilled on that ending it's also just like a little bit tropey to end your horror movie in a hospital bed so if her and learned anything from fire the 13th series yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) how about you what did you dislike Uh, i did not dislike this film i like it there's very there's nothing i dislike all right well there you go okay and so for this episode we have a guest clip from filmmaker special effects artist and all-around wonderful woman and a super fan of this podcast jesse seitz Hello, my name is Jessie Seitz, and I'm the creator and producer of the anthology Fucked, which is coming out soon. And I'm also the co-director of Beyond Horror, which tells the complete history of extreme cinema. I am a Satanist. Um, One of the first things that I always tell people about Satanism is that it's not really something that you choose. Um, It's something that you sort of read about and look into yourself, and if you see yourself in it, then that's how you know that you are one. Um, Unlike a lot of other religions, Satanism isn't looking to convert you. Um, There's no souls to win for heaven, (laughs) so the pressure is off there. So it's uh, strictly for people who see themselves in the the text and the philosophy. Um, I came to Satanism through reading the Satanic Bible by Anton LaVey. Um, I had seen it for years and of course knew about it as this mysterious book that was always behind the shelf at the bookstore. Uh, but one day I was like, you know, I'm I'm just going to read it. I haven't. I'm just curious about it. Um, by this point, I had probably been pretty divorced from Christianity for the better part of five years. Uh, was raised in a Christian church and um, had a huge falling out with all of that, which is an entirely different story. Um, So uh, I read the Satanic Bible and was actually shocked. Um, I was shocked at how much that I just believed in what they were saying. Um, To the end of some of the passages were verbatim what I had been talking about just like weeks before and its philosophy on life. And I was like, well, shit, I really feel at home with this. Um, So from that moment on, that's what I identified as. And that's definitely grown over the years. Um, The cool thing about Satanism is it is about you, the individual. You are your own god. You are your own master. So you have the freedom to look into things that work for you and figure out the things that don't work for you. Uh, Because of that, I've been able to grow and develop spiritually in places that I don't think I ever would have without um, first identifying my core beliefs and realizing that there were other people out there who felt the same way I did. Um, I think the thing that I get probably the most from it is the personal accountability. Um, it's, you know, you, you don't go around blaming other people for your problems. Like at the end of the day, 
when you are in control of you, you only have you to answer for. So if you're fucking up or if you're being just like a total twat, like that's, that's on you. <laughs> and you have control to change it or not, but you know, you have to accept the consequences like either way. And um, that's really framed a, a lot of my life and how I like to go forward and how I like to approach things. I don't think it's like something that's for everyone. And I think that there are definitely people who are involved now, allegedly, like, in Satanism that don't really have a clue uh, <laughs> about, like, what it means. And, of course, even what I've said is just, just touching the surface of it. Um, I think that people inherently want to belong to something, and that's not wrong. In fact, one of the things that LeVay covers is, like, our need for ritual. But I feel like some people still just are... I don't know. It's like they're trying to grasp at something that's still reeks too much of the Christian church, if I'm being, like, just very honest about it. So, you know, beware. There's a lot of people out there, um, some even card-carrying members of something or other, who aren't really um, you know, holding up to what I think is, like, the actual philosophy. Um, but if you're out there and you're listening to this, I really encourage you to pick up that book, start with the Satanic Bible, read about Anton LaVey, read about what he was about, and just, uh, you know, give it a chance and see, like, where people are coming from. And uh, try to understand that it has absolutely nothing to do with eating babies or sacrificing animals, but it has everything to do with the power within yourself. So moving on to kind of embracing Satanism, part two of the episode. So going back to the beliefs of actual Satanists, like actual modern right now, 2020 Satanists, what do they believe in? It is not a literal devil, the literal Lucifer, literal, you know, Satan. They are, they see him as a symbol, right? He's associated with sex and personal pride, nonconformity, rebellion, so important, rebellion and individualism. It's kind of seen as like, quote, post-Christian. We've moved away from those beliefs and more believing in the symbolism of these things. Like you could believe in like the symbolism of a God, yeah. but not like a real, you know, like tangible, corporeal type of being. Yes. And so, and that can be really, this is really attractive to people, and especially in 2020, when we're not so reliant upon the belief in the spirit and superstition and the supernatural and, you know, that kind of spirituality and an afterlife. And we're trying to just all just live more in the present. And satanic discourse is all about, you know, the positive side of Satanism is the self-religious focusing on empowerment. Empowerment is huge, glaring, big alert, self-realization, actualization, assertion, or development of ourselves. And the goal of modern Satanism is found within us, not outside of the world. It's all found within us. And it's whether it's our carnal animal nature or our own isolated intellect. So traditionally, for hundreds and hundreds of years, we have always associated Satanism with black magic, demonology, dark, spooky occultism. Mm -hmm. And we kind of, we touched on this before, but they are the other with a capital O. So what they are, they are the inversion of us, us being like the regular folks. 
folk. They're evil incarnate. They eat babies. They're doing black magic. They're conforting and consorting with demons and Satan. And we tell stories about, quote, them to reinforce our own sense of purpose and build our own identity in our community. They are the outsiders. They are the outcasts. Those are the the weirdos in our world. And that's how we have shown Satanists to be in popular media, definitely in film and in religious circles. So blast forward to 2013 and the Satanic Temple is born, started by two gentlemen, Lucian Graves and Malcolm Jari. And currently Lucian Graves is the spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. And so the mission of the Satanic Temple is to encourage benevolence and empathy, reject tyrannical authority, advocate practical common sense, oppose injustice and undertake noble pursuits. And again, They have an extensive, wonderful website at www.thesatanictemple.com where you can read so much information about it. Um, And it's really, really interesting. And so they're a wonderful group because they're, they are also very public. They're publicly known, but they've publicly confronted hate groups. They fight for equal representation when it comes to religious, you know, things on public property. They're all about, you know, religious secularism. They actually believe in protecting and fighting for reproductive rights. They have after-school programs for children. And they essentially just like, they're an activist group. This group has 21 charters across the U.S. and Canada and the U.K. And they're very much about egalitarianism, social justice, Mm -hmm. and the separation mm-hmm. of church and state, 100%. Yes. They oh. do not believe um, in the supernatural. They want religion to be divorced from superstition, and they have beliefs mm-hmm. in the current scientific understanding of the world. So encouraging critical thinking and rational inquiry, asking questions. Undue suffering is bad. Do not need to believe in a symbolic evil. And so mm-hmm. as uh, Kelly said, Satanists, they don't believe in Satan as an, actual ident- as an actual being, but more as the eternal rebel whose opposition to the arbitrary authority and defending your personal sovereignty, um, symbolizing the unbowed will which is uh, super interesting. Mm. So often the satanic temple, as Kelly said, they're, they're kind of like sort of like social justice warriors and they, they're very public mm-hmm. in their uh, protests and they use very uh, public means to campaign these social justice issues. So they use satire, theater, they even like do a legal mm-hmm. action, like they, they put out lawsuits, mm-hmm. all in the means to highlight how the church is constantly influencing the will of the state and encroaching on the religious freedoms of others. So it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like they're out there doing what they want to do to protect their right to be able to uh, practice as a Satanist. They're also saying, well, no. And the most famous one we know about is like the Ten Commandments statues and they have, they have the Baphomet statue created. And it wasn't for them to be like, well, we're, we're trying to promote ourselves as Satanists. They're trying to say, no, we're trying to promote religious freedom freedom. So if you mm-hmm, are going to have the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments sitting in front of your secular building, you're essentially saying to me that only the only right way is the Christian way, but you're not respecting, you know, other religions who are in your state, mm-hmm. right? So we're just trying to mm-hmm. highlight that. We're just trying to point that out to you that you're encroaching on other people's rights and freedoms. And this is why, and I also very fondly believe that there should be a separation between church and state because um, mm-hmm. we know how much religion influences a lot of decisions like like uh, Kelly said, like reproductive rights. They have done some very public displays. So they've done a public black mass. They've done the pink mass, which was one where they... Um, <laughs> That's my favorite thing yeah, ever. Yeah, doing the two gay men kissing on the grave of the Westboro Baptist Church founder, Fred Phillips, in support of same-sex marriage. And of course, uh, Lucian yeah. Graves was there, was also 
trying to change the gender of <laughs> the, the gentleman yeah. in the grave as well. They protest anti-choice protesters at Planned Parenthood places as well. Mm-hmm. So they use a lot of theater to really emphasize their point. And I think that's uh, super interesting as well. But then there leaves a difference because they are a very modern group. And because they're very public about their opinions and how they express themselves, they have been, well, we already have talked about how the Church of Satan believes that they are the purest and that they're the only Satanists Mm -hmm. and that all other Satanists are fake. And there's kind of like this, whenever you look at the pages, they're like, not to be confused with the Church of Satan and not to be confused with the Satanic Temple. And so the Church of Satan expresses opposition to the campaigns and the activities of the Satanic Temple. They believe themselves to be the true arbitrators of Satan while they see the Satanic Temple as, they don't see them as purist, right? But the thing is, Mm -hmm. though, the Satanic Temple sees the Church of Satan as very inactive and irrelevant. They are an Mm -hmm. inactive organization. They argue that they are individualists and they focus on the individual merits and the achievements of your membership and then the collective representation. And they believe that true Satanism is apolitical. Whereas Satanists uh, of the Satanic Temple are very active in public affairs. They have a physical headquarters in Salem, Massachusetts, and they actually have weekly congregations. They focus much on being relevant with the real world, and they talk about Satanism to have it be taken ser- taken seriously within the church. And while the Church of Satan is very anti-altruistic philosophy of self-interest, the Satanic Temple is all about striving to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures. So they don't endorse supernatural magic, but their ritual is based on expression and creativity. And typically their ritual is based upon having some sort of political message out there to express to other people. And you can see vast differences. If you just look at looking at the nine satanic statements compared to the seven tenets of the satanic temple. So these are the seven tenets. One, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy towards all creatures in accordance with reason. Two, the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. Three, one's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will alone. Four, the freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. To willfully and unjustly encroach upon the freedoms of another is to forego one's own. Five, beliefs should conform to one's best scientific understandings of the world. One should take care to never distort scientific facts to fit one's beliefs. Six, people are fallible. If one makes a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it and resolve any harm that might have been caused. And seven, every tenant is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility and action and thought. The spirit of compassion, wisdom, and justice should always prevail over the written or spoken word. So as you can see, there's huge differences just in the base philosophy. Like just that the satanic temple and more modern, like there still are people that, you know, the church of Satan is still a thing and people, there are still people that follow it and have memberships. But this is like, I would say elevating to a point where, yes, all of those same things about individuality and rebellion and thinking for yourself and nonconformity and all of those same things are still within the philosophy of the satanic temple. But it goes one step further Mm. and takes away the perceived selfishness of old school traditional Satanism and brings it to others like other genders, other races, like other animals, other species, and to help our community because, you know, you're only as strong as what your community is. And you can you can work on yourself as much as you can. But if your community is in shambles, hello, 2020 in the COVID pandemic, if your community (laughs) is in shambles, like you can only get so far with that. And I really feel like that's where the satanic temple just like really stands out amongst like the rest and compared to the church of Satan. They have I 
I like that you said that they don't believe in magic because they do. And a couple of couple of big things that I really wanted to to highlight was the Church of Satan is authoritarian. Yes. It's all about Anton LaVey. And it, they're actually, it's actually called LaVeyan Satanism. There's different types of Satanism, but that's like a specific kind of sect of type of, of Satanism. The Satanic Temple is not. The founders are founders of this global international organization and religion, but they are not to be worshipped. They are not to be idolized. They're not to be followed as as idols, essentially. Like they don't want that. That's not, it's not them. Yeah. They are equal. We are all equal on an equal plane. There's no hierarchy. It just, we are all just ourselves and we believe in the some the the image of satan as you know anti-patriarchal you know rebellious and just essentially just thinking for yourself right and i like that so much and you brought up a really interesting point jess and so the church of satan yes true satanism is not political okay all right (laughs) so i had thoughts about that because a lot of people claim that horror isn't political either but coming back to satanism but i think these people like church are forgetting the inherent actual political aspects the origins of using lucifer as a symbol of independence rational thinking individuality questioning authority empowering the individual shit that's fucking political in itself inherently in satanism and inherently in horror which does a lot of those same things is political so they don't know what they're talking yeah. about, essentially. Yeah, that's what I love. I love how, because, like, a point I had written down here was that modern Satanists are all about adding dialogue and really forcing people to feel uncomfortable about views held and not challenged. That's what the horror yeah. movies do, right? Horror movies yeah. reveal to us truths that are uncomfortable, and we don't we have a hard time watching them and seeing them because this is, like, a reality. So to say that Satanism is apolitical is like, nah, that's not... No, like Satan is the internal eternal rebel. He is the one, you know, that everyone says that was always emphasizing about freedom and having to be able to choose your individuality and then question the things that don't seem right. And Mm -hmm. that's what the horror community does as well, you know, in terms of our films and in terms of people and directors and writers writing these amazing movies that are really challenging beliefs in systems and ideas and really dealing with things of like really trying like and I'm just, you know, referencing like rape revenge genre, right? That's a that's Mm -hmm. a a political genre of, of horror there. And like horror and Satanism, you know, Satanism, it provides like this body of symbolism and religious practice which can be important to a lot of people. Like, yes, you might have a lot of the similar beliefs that, you know, Satanists actually do in in modern Satanism, but some people really thrive and are attracted to this, you know, the sense of identity, culture, community, and the shared values, kind of like the horror community in a way, you know, they make these new friends. They want to be in this community because we all like, there's a, you know, a community of respect of of shared ideas and beliefs and philosophies that are non-oppressive. They're very open-minded and they're very, what word am I looking like? They're very just, well, I guess I'll just use empowering for lack of a better term, but like that provides a much more likable energy than the very narrow and one-sided view of the Church of Satan. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you know, not anyone who is a member of the Church of Satan, you know, great, and and no disrespect to Mm -hmm. you, but I don't necessarily would want to join an organization where I don't know anything about what I do. 
<laughs> right? I just feel like you mm-hmm. just have this title, like, oh, I'm a member of the Church of Satan, and I just believe in doing things for myself. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. But that's not the day we live in. Like, that's not the time mm-hmm. we're living in now. The time, is, the time is now is to start challenging things and challenging social norms because of the fact, and because we didn't do that, we had things like the satanic panic come out. We had these moral, yeah. horrible things because people didn't stand up and start yeah. questioning things. It just kind of kept to themselves, and we need to change, mm-hmm. right? Side note, there's only two official chapters of the Satanic Temple in Canada. It's in Calgary and Ottawa. Oh, really? oh yes. I don't know why it's not. Yes, That Ottawa. is true. We That's have cool. had a black mass at our local uh, metal bar, uh, the Satanic Temple. Nice. Yes, I, and then that was actually a big That's thing. Cool. I remember, oh my goodness, I can't believe I forgot about that. There was a black mass at a local yeah. uh, metal bar here in Ottawa, and it became, and people were offended. And people like churches oh, were like, yeah, you cannot be doing this. This is wrong. And like any once again, and the, their members of this organization were like, well, no, we're not practicing. Like, this is what we're doing. And they're like, we're more than willing to wel- welcome you in to show you, mm-hmm. you know, our thing. But everyone, because they heard Satan and they heard black mass, mm-hmm. they're like, you're evil. You're going to you're going to start stealing our babies. You're going to start, you know, sacrificing goats on lawns, like all these things. And it's because people go yeah. back to this horror genre film idea mindset of what Satanists are. Totally. And like the old religious dogmatic ideas of what a Satanist could truly mm-hmm. be. And it's not any anyone that you want to be you know, familiar with, apparently. So I think you mentioned Hail Satan, the documentary. Yes. I'll just another plug in the sense that that was just like a very enlightening, infuriating, wonderful documentary. If you want to learn more about the Satanic Temple or at least modern Satanism, I highly, highly recommend that. So going back to the house of the devil, we kind of talked about this earlier, but just kind of bringing things on a little bit full circle. But yeah, there were red flags for danger throughout this film for Samantha, our sweet Samantha. Yeah. Like Tom Noonan's character knew the number of the payphone, acting strange, the lying. And, you know, we talked about, you know, the beginning of the episode that often in these satanic cult films, the Satanists or our devil worshipers, we really should call them that, the devil worshipers are, they prey upon our weak, they prey upon our vulnerable people. And that's Samantha. Like, she was so desperate. She needed money. And she took this random, very random babysitting job. And, you know, Tom Noonan's character, he seemed like, though it was strange, there were some things. But when you're desperate, like, you kind of overlook stuff and you're just, you're that big alert siren that says, um, yeah, no, this is actually not a good thing, though you don't recognize him so easily. Mm-hmm. And he seems friendly enough. He seems harmless enough. But he's also desperate. He's also very needy. And she just is very, I think, sympathetic, but mainly just desperate in her own need for, for money. And so here is our, you know, our portrayal of our devil worshippers preying upon our weak-willed, quote-unquote, weak-willed individuals. She's like this young, slight and build woman mm-hmm. um, that's so desperate and her desperation is palpable and they just prey upon her. They're like, oh, yeah, no, this person, we need this person. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's interesting because I love how this film, like it's set in the early 80s and in terms of like the Reagan area. So we do know that sat- satanic panic is kind of on the rise Mm -hmm. but I love how in this they don't reference this directly it's more just they talk about stranger danger and they talk about like things aren't right you need to be careful about where you're going and stuff like that and 
you know, yeah. this whole idea of, especially in the 80s when women were being told that their independence was not worth their safety. So you're saying, like, Samantha, yeah. she just wants, like, the whole buildup of this film is showing how she just wants a place of her own. She wants her own education. Yeah. Doesn't She talks about how she doesn't like children. She doesn't want a child. So she's not your typical woman. You can already tell right away that yeah. she's unconventional. So then we're seeing how, you know, this was a struggle for women in the 80s that they want to have their independence, but at the same time, too, they have to fear for their lives. They can't, like, you know, the fact that she wants to take this really odd babysitting job mm-hmm. and, like, her f- best friend Megan the whole time is being like, something's not oh my right. God. Something's not right. Yes. I, why am yep. I driving you all the way out here? I should stay with you. I don't think you should be by yep. yourself, right? And all these things, no. and they're using money to keep her. They're like, we'll give you $400, like, for you to stay. More and more and money. she's like, I'm yep. so desperate. Yep. I will take it. So she just ignores her friend's signals. She ignores also to her own, like, and I love this feminine instinct, mm-hmm. and I love how yeah, it's brought forth right early in the film because we get the lovely Dee Wallace, you know, as her landlady showing Samantha the apartment, and she really emphasizes to Samantha that she's trusting her gut. She's like, yeah. she's like, I'm trusting. I think you're going to be a really good tenant. I think, you know, and that's right away. And then the whole entirety of the film, yeah. you're watching Samantha, you're like, trust your gut. Listen to Megan. Like, yep. stranger danger, stranger danger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. We another example of not listening to women or you know listening to your to your instincts. And like, women are powerful. We had like we joke about this, like the the feminine mystique and this intuition. But like we have lived centuries Mm -hmm. of living in panic and fear. We know things aren't correct early. We know this. And I love Megan so much because she was pissed. She is so mad that her friend is willing to stay. And she's like, no, no, I am not you know, don't do this. This is not worth it. Like, let my dad, we'll get you money. Like, don't do this. But like, she wants to be, you know, Samantha wants to be so independent Mm -hmm. and she wants her own fucking identity struggles for her own, I guess, agency in this and have her own life and her own being and her independence. And friend is so mad so that she goes and is like, all right, I'm going to hang out in the cemetery then. No, that's what God I wonder. damn it, I'm just going to wait yeah, here. She, I'm going to wait here. Was she going to wait mm-hmm. there? Was she going to like turn back around and be like, nope, you're like, probably like wait yeah. for them to leave and go back and be like, I'm staying with you, right? And then that's what you said, that kill yeah. is so brutal because they're like, you the babysitter? No, bam, you're gone. Like, okay, we wiped yep. out the potential threat, right? Completely. I love how in this film, so we see like our Satanist, they're being represented as the kind of the typical 1970s Satanist to me. Like they're older. Yeah. They are, you know, they look like they are wealthy um, because like the woman, she talks about her furs. The gentleman has a cane. Like they're very, you know, of upper class right we yeah, don't think they're totally. part of a group we don't know if they're part of a group but they just seem like a very wealthy organization and they're obviously doing this ritual on the night of this like eclipse that mm, is happening so mm-hmm. that's very typical and I really liked a lot of these imageries with the women especially the scene when the older woman is sitting beside Samantha and she tries to cozy up to Samantha I know and you can yep. tell it's very awkward and Sam, and Sam was like yeah I don't know, things don't seem right but like she's trying to like I called it I like to call it like the deceiver and the victim so typically women in I find in satanic cults are seen in two ways they're either the leader or they're like they're somehow like leading the organization they're leading the group they are the ones the powerful ones and then you've got the victim you've got the the female yeah. virgin which is Samantha so right in that that scene you have the juxtaposition of how women are typically used in these satanic films mm. that's a great point yeah it's a very uncomfortable scene it's like there's a lot of uncomfortable aspects 
of this. And it makes you also wonder, too, when um, Tom Noonan's character, the gentleman, does call Samantha back and get in touch. He's like, oh, the other person, she just she wasn't reliable. And it makes you wonder, like, what was it about that woman? Was it like really she trusted her instinct? She was like, oh, no, this is really Mm -hmm. weird. Well, if you even look at that babysitter flyer, it's like babysitter (laughs) wanted literally that's it and here take a number I'm like no no number one don't do that so it makes you wonder like was she a more headstrong strong mental fortitude not as desperate woman and they're just like no she didn't work out unreliable and but you know the Samantha is so sweet that she is going to be reliable because she's that she's that type of woman well this is that film that really relates into that early fear because I like how this film it starts off with like this is you know based on a true story da, da, da. but it talks about yeah. how when you and I were younger right if our parents would not have let us like if we saw a weird flyer like that we'd be like mm, that's yeah. not right right or our parents would have called ahead of time like to make sure everything's legit yep. but back in the 80s early seven, late 70s that's okay that's that was normal mm-hmm. practice like oh the world is just trusting it's a good place da, 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 all these things and we're like and now these days we're like no you know we don't leave no. our house without our cell phone ready at the you know the ready to hit like the emergency button and it's like built on these like and you see like the news story and stuff like that how they talk about weird things happening and so this movie shows like how that was all building up and it all comes from this moral panic and this idea of like you know satanists are out there and like you know they're gonna kill the babysitter and use her for a sacrifice or Mm -hmm. ritual you're poisoning food i love that pizza scene where she's in the like earlier on it's like such Mm. a foreshadowing like oh megan's like this pizza tastes off and then you see megan eating the pizza samantha eating the pizza later she's like something does not taste right about this right and you're like yeah brilliant yeah it's all in those details you're like oh what's wrong with that pizza like you could just tell that something was not right with it the the leading into like in the 80s we had our satanist that so overall very unassuming our satanist could be living anywhere at any time doing anything and could be anyone and though these people were weird maybe they were just eccentric mm-hmm. you know what i mean the eccentric older couple that lives rurally in this huge big house whatever yeah. you know has this old mother that they're taking care of that's all seemingly very normal but i uh, guess there no satanists could be anyone and as we know in our day-to-day lives like in 2020 Yes, Satanists can literally be anyone. So you cannot assume, you know, what's what's going on in in, in people's lives and their belief systems. So being respectful. And in this film, we have, again, our ritualistic, very ascetic, actual devil worshippers. They believe in our literal Satan, the Antichrist. They even have like a black mass type ritual, very traditional, the robes and the pentagram and our, you know, sacrifice (laughs) essentially in the middle. And it almost seems like that guy, the young guy that kills Megan, like he's obviously in on it, but like, what is his relation? Is this like a rural community thing? Is he related to Mm. them? Don't know. There's a lot of unknowns, which I also kind of like how, you know, like ambiguous a lot of this is, but essentially it's coming down to it's, there's really no film that exists that actually depicts what a true Satanist is it's not you know titillating enough it's not cinematic enough you know just when it's all it would just be a very boring movie so we kind of have to have these old world views in our films and that's why it was really tricky to like try to think of like a modern quote satanic cult film because well satanic cults don't actually yeah, exist exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they don't actually exist that is a myth that's not a thing yeah. and satanists this wouldn't do this maybe they would have these black masses but they're not killing children and, you know, they 
they're they're just not these types of people. Yeah. Jess and I talked about this kind of off the record, I guess, offline, whatever, before recording. And I thought it was amazing. And it came down to the idea and concept of consent. Yes. So in The House of the Devil and in many, many films, when it comes down to like ritualistic sacrifices, predominantly in particular when it comes to the Antichrist, Mm -hmm. um, these women do not do this consensually. They have to be drugged. They have to be raped. They have to be forced into giving birth to or possessed in the Song of Solomon. She's possessed by in order to (laughs) procreate and like breed and give birth to to the Antichrist. But it all comes down to consent. And, you know, our Church of Satan, our traditional Satanists, like they don't preach about anything but themselves. Um, You know, they try to be apolitical. They don't even talk about they don't approach reproductive rights. It's not even a thing. And if you even go through the Satanic Bible, they say a lot of man this and man that and man this. And maybe it's like the generic man that's humankind, but... I know that's also a bit dated, but no, we're, we're human yeah. beings. And that just brings up a really interesting uh, concept of, of consent. And it always come, it always happens to women. We have this powerful womb that can do a whole lot and we can carry the, the son of Satan. Yeah. Devil spawn. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky yeah. us. Thank you, Rosemary's <laughs> Baby, for bringing this yep. kind of idea, this concept really to cinema, really, and really implement that fear of, because we see that kind of that same thing happened to Samantha like here's a woman who wants to be an independent doesn't want to have children she is raped Mm -hmm. and impregnated to bring about the antichrist and then when she goes to kill herself to make that choice Mm -hmm. that she's like I'm not having this baby the film ends with her being miraculously saved and they're like you're both okay you're like okay so that is very typical satanic cult imagery satanic cult idea ideology and it's really interesting because like you know as we talked about early modernist modern saneness that's not it's all about consent it's all about reproductive Mm -hmm. rights it's all about yes about yourself as an individual but you being respected as an individual you having a right and the freedom of choice to say and speak what you want a part of me is like as much as i enjoy this film a part of me would really like Mm -hmm. to see would like and i kelly's like yeah i'd probably be boring but maybe not maybe it'd be kind of interesting to see what a what a modern Satanist in a horror film would be like like just kind of like blow the roof off of people's mind be like no we don't actually believe that yeah well I think the villain in that film would be Christians true essentially true and if we were in this (laughs) rhetorical horror movie that we're creating right now the villains are not going to be the Satanists. No. So that would be a wonderful, wonderful subversion of Satanic cult films and Satanism in film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe we see that, and I don't, I kind of regret bringing this up, but we summon the darkness. Um, oh, yeah. Right. Because they are, well, they were the villains in that story, but they were pretending to be, you know, Satanists and devil worshipers, but they're actually just Christians keeping up the belief that that's what Satanists yeah. do. Too, but they, they don't. Keep per- they keep perpetuating <laughs> that messaging, that imagery, and we're just yes. like, yeah, yep. No, we're done. Like, and I feel like maybe I'm making a really bold statement, but I feel like as a horror community, I think we're it's time for us to move away from that imagery. And like, I know it's yeah. fun, and it's like, oh, it's like kind of cool, you know, because we get that demonic possession. But then we're constantly, once again, women have to, you know, when especially when they relate it to witchcraft, women have to say, no, I'm not a like I when I came out as a witch, I was told I was a devil worshiper by my own mm-hmm. family mm-hmm. who are a bunch of Catholics. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But at the same, so once again, but then uh, like I can't help but look at movies and being like, okay, once again witchcraft and satanism being linked together witchcraft and satanism being linked together and but that's not even what satanism is really is and so 
it's kind of like we're getting to this point where I'm, I'm curious to see the future of Satanism in horror films. Me too. And now we've arrived at Spencer's final thoughts, this time over a nice warm cup of tea provided by our new sponsor, Brutality Teas. Since we're Spencer's, we obviously love tea. One of our favorite things is to curl up with a movie on a cold, rainy day. Or a good book. Yes. With a hot mug of delicious tea. Brutality Teas is a company that we discovered at a horror convention and fell in love with. They have a variety of tea blends from black, white, and more. But what really stood out to us was not just how yummy they were, but their spooky names. With Chai the 13th and Children of the Candy Corn, we thought Brutalities were a perfect match made in hell. I love coconut. And I'm currently obsessed with Screamsicle. So go to Brutalities.com to grab some for yourself with listener code SPINSTER15 to get 15% off your purchase. For our Canadian listeners, please contact them directly before ordering for shipping quotes. So now that we have our tea, let's put these spirits to rest. So my final thoughts on the depiction of Satan in horror films. So Satan and his followers, particularly in the horror genre, they have an interesting history. Satan and satanic imagery is constantly shown in films as a clue or a hint that something truly wicked and evil is yet to come. Yet when we look at the history and the lore around the imagery of Satan, it's not often what we see or hear about when people are worshiping Satan. Him, her, it is always a solitary entity or individual, and people choose to pledge their services to him or her often have individualistic desires for themselves, which are often promoted. What we're seeing is Christian imagery of what Satan is, that Satan is this, this ultimate evil who lures men and women into internal damnation, and it is often not surprising that those who worship Satan are often linked to witchcraft or vice versa, and we see this often in film. So when we're using satanic imagery, we see witches, we see covens, we're often getting the folklore horror, which is often like, like worshiping Satan to pay respect to an older God or an older power. All these things that came before Christianity came and fixed everyone's mind, fixed those crazy pagans. So while film has allowed us to bring Satan and his followers to the screen, these early days provided a lot of misinformation and at times contributed to some antiquated fear-based ideas of Satan and the elements of satanic imagery. So often because when people don't understand something they fear, it's easier to say that the devil did it than understand the wellness of an individual. And because uh, Christianity in a religion is so deeply entrenched in our media, in our government, in our secular organizations, often we're having a very hard time changing these views on Satan and Satanists. So with the rise of the Church of Satan and Satanic Temple, we are learning more about individualism and using the image of Satan to challenge authority and to be rebels. I feel like the horror genre where I have this opportunity to allow us to continue to explore this fascination with Satan and his supposed evils, but really take a deeper look into what horrible things that human beings can do to each other that is not necessarily in the service of an otherworldly presence. My final thoughts that I could muster up today. Satanic cult films, Satanism in general really makes us challenge our own belief systems, our own philosophy. It demands your attention. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in Satan? Do you, like, do you, do you not? And why do you believe these things? And why don't you believe in them? Are they symbols? Do you believe in the real, true God is of the earth being? So for myself, I've I've been an atheist ever since I was old enough to even understand or attempt to understand organized religions. These days, I'm 37 and I still don't understand them sometimes. (laughs) As a teenager, I flirted with Wicca, of course. We all saw the craft of the 90s. I now am flirting a bit with with Satanism. It's very, it's been a very eye-opening month of, of research and watching Hail Satan, the documentary. But in the end, what it always comes down to is that I don't require anyone or anything to tell me how to live my life as a quote 
good person. I do that all on my own. I compost, I recycle, I buy used things. I'm a vegan. I don't murder other people. I'm pro-choice, etc., etc., etc. As the essence of many organized religions are easy, common sense aspects of being a good, decent human being on this forsaken earth. I don't believe in an afterlife. I don't believe in magic dark energies, energies of really any kind. I believe in our natural world, science, and death. When we die, we rot in the earth like humans should. Satanism is a legitimate belief system that is not harmful, obviously despite what you've seen in the movies. And it, like I said, it demands your attention, particularly the satanic temple. Satanism is all about living your most authentic, true life on your own terms and nobody else's. That is our philosophy as the Spencers of Horror. And I really hope that we can inspire that into you listeners as the hip kids say you do you and let your freak flag fly i do have to say though the thematic and cinematic elements of satanism depicted in horror films does lend itself to some classic aesthetics aesthetics sorry that i really do enjoy very much so aesthetics wise i'm here for it (laughs) (laughs) and what was reiterated this month to me is that people aren't always what they seem so beware listeners and trust no one but yourself because in the end, you are always alone. And that ends our episode exploring Satanism and Satanic cults in film. Hail Satan! We want to thank Dance of the Dead for our intro-outro music, Robeast, and Brandon for his work on our promotional materials. Also, thank you to all you listeners. We want to remind you to follow us on our website, spinstersofhorror.com. Our Facebook page is Spinsters of Horror. We also have a wonderful exclusive coven Facebook group. So please join us over there. You can also find us on Twitter at Horror Spinsters, as well as the Instagram account at Spinsters of Horror. As well, please rate and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and any other podcasting app you listen to us on. And we also have merch. Please visit TeePublic to purchase one of our t-shirts and buy our stickers from our shop, as well as we have a donate button that you can help contribute to help this keep this crazy ride going. Next month, we are having fun. After a very crazy, busy October, the spinsters are going to sit back, relax, and we're going to watch some Japanese anime, specifically horror anime from the 1980s, my favorite. The films up for a nice, friendly discussion are going to be the film Demon City Shinjuku from 1988 and Lily Cat from 1997. Until then, remember, the future of fear is female. <laughs> <laughs>